211's Baseball Talk, episode 68, is here. We'll talk all about the Blue Jays and Braves, the Blue Jays and A's. We'll go in-depth on the Albert Pujols situation, maybe get into some Rockies if we've got some time and more. Stay tuned. This is an episode you don't want to miss. That was Balance by Infinite, walking you into episode 68 of 211's Baseball Talk. My name is Dylan Baker. Joined beside me, as always, for every episode, my dad, Chris. How you doing today? Well, I'm not really beside you, Dylan, but uh, in a separate room, I am joining <laughs> you, and I'm good. How are you? I'm good as well. Thank you for asking. Let's dive right into things. The Blue Jays and Braves uh, got going after a two-game split with the Nats. In game one, Robbie Ray was matched up against Drew Smiley. And in the first inning, George Springer got his first hit as a Blue Jay. In the third with Springer on, Bo Bichette went deep to put the Jays up 2-0 early. In the fourth, Lourdes, with Lourdes Gurriel Jr. on, Alejandro Kirk had a 3-0 count. And with Springer on deck, they had to pitch to Kirk, who proceeded to punish Smiley and the Braves as he went yard to left to make it 4-0. In the fifth, Randall Gritchick joined the home run party, going deep as well to make it 5 nothing. That same inning, Alejandro Kirk stepped up to the plate with Marcus Semien on and went deep to make it 7 nothing. Then in the sixth, in his first game back from his COVID scare, Teoscar Hernandez hit a three-run jack to make it 10-zip. And in the seventh, Ozzy Albies homeward off of Ray, who had an otherwise very good start. But the Jays got the two runs back in the bottom of the inning as Santiago Espinal scored on a wild pitch. Then Vladimir Guerrero Jr. drove home Alejandro Kirk with an RBI single. In the eighth, Freddie Freeman lined a single off of Ryan Barucki, which scored a run and made it 12-3. Marcelo Zuna then lined a single to make it 12-5. In the bottom half, Lourdes Gurriel Jr. hit his second of the year to make it 13-5. That would be the final score. Game two of the series did not start off very well for the Blue Jays as Christian Pache hit a second inning grand slam to put the Braves up 4 nothing. However, in the third with Alejandro Kirk on, George Springer hit his first home run as a Blue Jay to the opposite field to cut the deficit to two, and it was awesome to see Springer get on the board in the home run column. In the fifth, though, Ronald Acuna Jr. hit a missile of a home run to extend the Braves' lead to three at five to two. Bottom of the sixth, now the Jays got a couple back first with an RBI single from Randall Gritchick, scoring Vladimir Guerrero Jr. to make it five to three. Then Lourdes Gurriel Jr. stepped up and ripped a ball down the left field line, scoring Teoscar Hernandez. But in what was a more than questionable send by Luis Rivera, Randall Gritchick was thrown out at the plate, injuring Travis Darno and knocking him out of the game and onto the 60 day IL. Not long after, Jays catcher Alejandro Kirk was removed from the game as well. Bottom of the seventh, back to the good news, George Springer hit a moonshot 470-foot home run to left field to tie the game at 5-5 after the Jays were at one point down four. No movement in the score until the 10th after a great top half from Jordan Romano. With the bases loaded, Randall Gritchick singled home pinch runner Santiago Espinal, and the Jays won 6-5 in extras. Sunday was mired in bad news for the Blue Jays as Alejandro Kirk was placed in the 10-day IL with a right hip flexor strain that will put him out of commission for six weeks, as reported by Ben Wagner. That wasn't all, as Tommy Malone was placed on the IL, as was Anthony Castro, who has been awesome for the Blue Jays. On the bright side, it sounds like Castro should be back not long after his 10 days are up, and the Blue Jays got Ross Stripling back for the start against Ian Anderson on Sunday with a chance to sweep. No scoring until the second inning when William Contreras stepped up to the plate. For some context, I mentioned the, the injury to Darno earlier, but backup Alex Jackson was also hurt in the Saturday game. 
as he got placed on the 10 day IL. Uh, if that means that Saturday's game took three catchers out with Kirk Darno and Jackson all going down with injury back to Sunday's game. Contreras lined a tater from Ross stripling into left for a base hit scoring Ozzy Albies and making it one, nothing Atlanta early in the bottom of the second with two guys on Danny Jansen singled home his first RBI of the year to tie the game at one. Then in the third market, Semyon lined a double scoring Bowen Blatty to make it three to one. That was followed in the fourth by a Bobochette double scoring Jansen, making it a four to one Jays lead through four. In the fifth, Ronald Acuna Jr. had a sacrifice fly to make it 4-2. In the eighth, the Jays tacked on some insurance as, Mar- uh, as Marcus Semien went deep with Randall Grichuk aboard to make it 6-2. Then Joe Panic doubled home Lourdes Gurriel Jr. to make it 7-2, which was the final score. In that game, George Springer left early, but it was announced that it was just due to fatigue, and we'll get into that a little bit later. But overall, what were your thoughts on that? Just sweet fatigue. <laughs> nice French. But back to the <laughs> series. What were your thoughts on the Jays and Braves? Uh, I don't know. It was good. I mean, obviously, you know, you hate to get a sweep, but what are you going to do? No, it was a great series. It was a great series. I think it was a a telling series for the Jays that there's some good things happening. Obviously the way Oakland started, which I know we'll get into, uh, was a little scary at first, but, um, you know, I, I think that there, I mean, what do you say about that series was well played all around, good pitching, good hitting, um, and, uh, you know, obviously the Springer thing sucks, but, uh, but, and some of the, the weird catching situation of that one game, but, uh, or lack thereof, cause they all got hurt, but, um, but it was a good series. Yeah, no, it was an awesome series for the Blue Jays. The bats seemed to uh, be awoken in that series. And I think that has a lot to do with George Springer, but we'll get into that after the Oakland series. Uh, some, some positives were taken out of that series for sure with how good everybody looked, but also a lot of injuries, including the three catcher injured game. I don't know what to call it on Saturday. That was a bit of a disaster, uh, but you know, it's where the Jays are at and it's where the Braves, Braves have to deal with it as well as Jeff Mathis caught their game yesterday. And I bet you didn't even realize Jeff Mathis, Jeff Mathis was still in the big leagues. Um, that said, <laughs> moving didn't. on, <laughs> following the Atlanta series, the Jays and A's faced off for four games, the first of which was started by Steven Matz going up against Frankie Montas. The A's got the scoring started in the second as Jed Lowry doubled home Matt Chapman to make it one nothing. Then Steven Piscotty drove Lowry home with a dinger, 3 nothing Oakland early. That lead did not last long, however, as Boba Shett hit a hard single that scored Danny Jansen to make it 3-1. to one. Then, with the bases loaded, Teoscar Hernandez lined a double that scored Bichette and Biggio to tie things up. However, that tie was broken in the fifth by Ramon Laureano, who had a two-run shot to give the A's a 5-3 to three lead. The Jays would get one back on a wild pitch in the eighth inning, but they lost 5-4 to four in the opener. In Game 2, Cole Irvin faced Anthony Kay in a battle of young lefties. The scoring got started in the second when Jed Lowry got uh, got a double, plating two to make it 2 nothing. Later that inning, Mitch Moreland hooked one around the foul pole. In opposite field, actually, it was a very nicely hit ball uh, to make it 4 nothing. After that, all scoring was halted until the sixth when Marcus Semyon lined a double to make it 4-1, to one, but that would be your final score. A's take the first two, but in the third game of the set, Robbie Ray took the hill against Chris Bassett. The scoring began in the top of the first as Teoscar Hernandez drove home Bo Bichette with a single to make it one nothing Jays. Then Randall Grichuk drove home Vladimir Guerrero Jr. to make it 2 nothing. However, in the bottom of the first, the A's clapped back with another Ramon Laureano homer to make it 2-1. to one. In the bottom of the fourth, Matt Chapman lined a home run to tie things up. Nothing after that until the sixth inning, when a little bloop with the infield in scored the go-ahead run for the A's, and they led 3-2. to two. Ray pitched 6 and K-9 as he turned things over to the bullpen. 
In the top of the eighth, pinch runner Jonathan Davis scored on a wild pitch to tie the game. Then, Bo Bichette stole third, and Teoscar Hernandez singled him home to give the Jays the lead. Randall Grichik then had a single of his own to make it 5-3 Jays. That was followed up by a safety squeeze by Kevin Biggio to make it 6-3. The Jays weren't quite done there, as Lourdes Gurriel Jr. grounded out scoring another. After that inning, Ryan Baraki allowed a double to Matt Olson to make it 7-4. Then in the ninth, Vlad Guerrero Jr. laced a double that was hit at 114 miles an hour to score two more, making it 9-4, which would be your final score. A lot of rhymes there. In the finale, Thursday afternoon, Hyunjin Ryu made his return to the mound following his glute injury, pardon me, to face Mike Fires. Uh, the A's opened the scoring in the first, the Mark Canna home run. Ryu took a little bit of time to settle in, it seemed. Uh, then in the third, Randall Grichik homered to left, giving the Jays a nice 3-1 to one lead. However, a Matt Olson ground rule double made it 3-2. to two. Then Sean Murphy singled, and all of a sudden, the A's had a 4-3 advantage. It was nice to have Ryu back, but you could tell he did not have his stuff right away in his return. In the top of the fourth, Danny Jansen went deep. A big seven days for Danny uh, as he got on the board in the RBI column. And he also got his first home run of the season. That played to Jonathan Davis to give the Jays a 5-4 lead, one that they would not relinquish. In the sixth, Teoscar Hernandez had a two-run single to make it 7-4. Then Randall Gritchick continued to stay hot, doubling to score three and advancing to third on an error. In the seventh, the Jays tacked down one more on a Marcus Semien home run in his homecoming to make it 10-4, which was your final score. Things started off scary in Oakland, as you mentioned, but I think, and you can uh, weigh in on this, I think they ended on a pretty high note. Yeah, absolutely they did. I mean, you've got uh, what are they? What are they now? Uh, five and two in their last seven. So you know you can't uh, you cannot complain about that record. Um, and you know, I mean, obviously the first two in Oakland looked like we were on our way to a, a disastrous potential four game sweep, but uh, you know it was not to be that way. Thank God. And the uh, the final two games were fun to watch. A little concerning about Ryu, but I don't know if that's just shaking off rust or uh, or if his bum still hurts. But uh, he, uh, he he certainly he certainly uh, uh, recovered a little bit there in that game. And then uh, <laughs> I see your smile, see your laughing. Yeah. Uh, and uh, and of course, you know, the, obviously the offense was on for for those two games too. Yeah, for sure. And like you mentioned, the first two games of that series, I mean, the Jays looked dreadful. The pitching was not there. The starters were bad. Steven Matz wasn't very good. And when he got taken out by Charlie Montoyo, he was furious. And I don't think he was furious with Montoyo because when Charlie was talking to him, he seemed very calm and understanding. And But then as soon as Charlie turned his back, Matz lost it. And uh, I'm not sure if you've seen the video, but it's out there on social media. He, he performed very poorly in that first game of the series. And so did Anthony K in game two. And I really want to root for Anthony K because the Jays need a starter to step into that fifth spot for now and potentially long-term. And I think Anthony K can be that guy that got him back in the Marcus Stroman trade. He's been great before. And I really want Anthony K to do well, but this year and in two games, he's, he's struggled quite a bit uh, against the Royals and then against the A's. I believe those are the only two games he's pitched in. There are potentially some more. Um, so Springer, Phelps, David Phelps got hurt in that third game in Oakland. I forgot to mention it. Tommy Malone, Anthony Castro, Alejandro Kirk, all going on the IL. How big of a loss is that for the Blue Jays? Well, it's definitely a loss. I mean, obviously with Springer back on the IL and then there's Kirk too, you know, it's scary, but not really. I mean, you know, it was, I don't think, at least from what they're saying and not like we could believe them anyway. Um, but at least from what they're saying about Springer, you know, he's probably going to be back when the IL stint is over 
pretty much early as early as he can be. They Ross um, Atkins again, did say yesterday that he's going to be a little bit longer than the ten days they expect. Oh, just did he? I thought he had said something different. But uh, either way, I mean, you know, the fact that's kind of scary even when you think about it because he was just fatigued, as they said. Um, and then, you know, all of a sudden now he's on longer than 10 days again. But, um, you know, it's too bad about Kirk because there really isn't much depth there other than what's coming in the minors. Um, although it's fun to watch the Reese McGuire memes, um, it is not, uh, you know, anything to, to be excited about from a catching standpoint. He's, he's not very good. Um, defensively, I guess he's fine, but, uh, you know, offensively, he's no better than Jansen, um, which is really hard to say, <laughs> but, uh, you know, and, uh, it was big to lose those, those players it really was. Yeah, and I think Phelps and Castro hurt quite a bit as well because they've been huge for the bullpen. David Phelps had allowed one earned run going into that outing in Oakland where he left before even throwing a pitch. He got hurt on his warm-up pitches, and I believe they said it's something to do with his lat that he's on the IL for. Anthony Castro's on the IL as well, and uh, Castro's been so awesome for the Blue Jays ever since they picked him up on waivers in the offseason from the Detroit Tigers. Uh, He's looked really good, and I'm very excited for when he comes back, but I don't really know when that will be. You mentioned Springer. They said it was just fatigue. It wasn't clearly just fatigue because now he's on the IL for 10 days at least. Uh, Retroactive to uh, Monday, which could be why he's going to be a little bit longer than the 10 days. Maybe it's 10 days from yesterday when he was placed that he'll be back hopefully but it doesn't sound too severe from what they're saying Alejandro Kirk I think is a big loss he was just starting to heat up we've seen the bat be there for him and uh, Danny Jansen he's turned on a little bit in the past few days but I think that Kirk's offensive production is far superior to what Danny Jansen brings to the plate Uh, and I think that that it's a huge loss for for the Jays with Kirk especially because it's going to be six weeks Um, and Charlie Montoya said a little bit longer than a month Ross Atkins said the same thing but Ben Wagner reporting that it's going to be six weeks at least for Alejandro Kirk. And that is not good for the blue Jays. Uh, you mentioned the catching depth they have in the system. Riley Adams was promoted and then demoted when Reese McGuire cleared protocols uh, because they wanted Adams to get consistent reps in triple a and Gabriel Moreno was in the low level minor leagues, or maybe he's in double a, I believe he's in double a actually. Um, getting ready for the big leagues, but he's not going to be here. I don't think this year, I think Kirk and Moreno could be your catching tandem of the future. Uh, Riley Adams is also a good option, but uh, Kirk's loss is big for the blue Jays. What else was big for the blue Jays on the weekend was George Springer's effect in the lineup. Just having him in that leadoff spot allowed Alejandro Kirk to go deep twice on Friday night because they had to pitch to him. They did not want to face George Springer. How big is Springer's impact in this blue Jays lineup when he's healthy? Well, he's going to have to be healthy before that impact comes. And, uh, you know, obviously we saw signs of the impact on the weekend. That's the thing. Yeah, we did until his quad blew out. But um, yeah, yeah, no, we did. And, and, and to stay on the positive side of things for sure. I mean, I, you know, um, I think, you know, what we saw was, was Springer heating up quickly. Uh, You know, first game was a little lighter than I, what, how many games did he get in Four. Four, yeah. One against games, Washington yeah. and then all three against the Braves before leaving early on Sunday. Yeah, and that's unfortunate because he was heating up with the dingers and everything like that too. And and obviously, as you say, you know, it gave people like Kirk a, a chance because, you know, they were not going to pitch around Kirk to get the Springer, that's for sure. So, um, you know, it makes a huge impact. It, it changes the whole lineup. And that's why it's a little frustrating to have the front office lying about the fact that he's fatigued and then have them – 
you know, end up throwing him on the IL, especially when you wasted the opportunity to have an extra man on the bench. Luckily, it didn't really matter in the end, but it could have. Um, put him right back on there. If he's hurt again, just put him right back on there. Don't tell people fibs um, because you need the space on the roster. You need the bench player. Uh, Montoya was left short. And, and you know, I know the, the question you asked was about his impact. Well, it made an impact just having him still day-to-day because it made a negative impact technically because there was no nobody on the bench. And, um, you know, they, they, the front office can't do that. If you're going to be a winning franchise, you've got you've to play it the way it really is happening. Uh, if he's still feeling it, he go back, goes back on the IL. You've got to give Montoya every tool he can have to pull off some wins. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that uh, the, the whole situation with Springer not being placed in the IL on Monday was a bit of a disaster. And I, I didn't watch the full game on Monday night because it's late for us over here in, in, in Ontario because we're in Eastern time. But uh, I, I watched some of that game and, and then I heard afterwards that there was a great pinch hitting opportunity in the later innings uh, to replace Danny Jansen and Springer wasn't used. And that was big because nobody else was used in that pinch hitting situation. They could have brought Springer in. They could have brought Kirk in, but he was hurt. Um, And then there was a pinch running situation and they couldn't have brought Springer in because he was not feeling all right. And so that bench was left very short for Charlie Montoyo. And that's a good point to bring up as well, because the effect that he had in the lineup was quite large um, and, and he produced a lot offensively, but when it came down to, to the bench on uh, in the first two games against Oakland, that was a struggle for the Blue Jays. And, and if Springer was healthy, if Springer had been healthy, if the Jays had placed him on the aisle, they could have gotten somebody else up, like Jonathan Davis, who did get up in that uh, third game and then who had an impact in the finale of the Oakland series. It was disappointing to see in the fact that they called it fatigue and they, they lied on the messaging. That was frustrating uh, as a Blue Jays fan. Mm. What wasn't frustrating, though, was Robbie Ray's past two pitching performances and really all season long. He set a new career high for consecutive innings pitched without a walk. He's got uh, five plus strikeouts in his last three outings without a walk, which is one short of Roy Halladay's Blue Jays record of four with five plus strikeouts and no walks. Uh, He's looked really, really good. And for a guy who had a 7.8 walk percentage last year, I believe, uh, seeing the way he's pitched this season for the Blue Jays is fantastic. What have your thoughts been on Robbie Ray? Ray's been great. I mean, he's been uh, he's been good. I you know I, I sort of mocked him a little bit uh, just to rile you up, but he actually has been great. And you know, it's great to see that uh, the Blue Jays have some of this depth and some of this option and some of these options. And uh, as you say, I mean, to see the control difference now versus what he had before is is remarkable and i hope he can keep that up all season the jays certainly need it yeah they do with the small rotation depth uh, that the blue jays have right now they don't have a lot of great starters this season it looks like Matts has been inconsistent and robbie ray you know the numbers the the analytics are saying that he is he's expected to regress a little bit he's a four era guy according to 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 statcast expected era and that's kind of what we've seen from Robbie Ray for a while, but uh, he's looked really good. And if he can control a little bit better, I think a lot of that expected ERA has to do with the game against Kansas city, where he loaded the bases and loaded the bases and loaded the bases. I think he loaded the base in the first two innings and got out of it unscathed. So Robbie Ray has been really good this season for the blue Jays. He's pitched out of jams. And I don't know if it's Pete Walker, who's been able to, uh, hone his command a little bit. I would expect it is because Pete Walker is just a magician, but if Robbie Ray can, can control his pitches can command them in the strike zone, that is huge 
for the Blue Jays uh, with not a lot of great starters in the rotation right now or not a lot of great performances, I should say, because Ryu was fantastic. Mats is, is, is good when he's on, uh, but both of them kind of looked shaky in their last starts. You know who didn't look shaky was Alec Manoa in AAA and neither did Nate Pearson. They are both in the AAA rotation to start the year. How insane is that rotation? It's got Manoa, Pearson, Nick Alliger, who is uh, the third or sorry, 30th prospect for the Blue Jays on their top 30 and Jacob Wagaspack. There's somebody else in there as well that I'm forgetting and I feel terrible about it, um, but I, I can't quite remember who is in that rotation besides the two and then uh, and then Alliger and uh, Wagaspack. But that rotation is pretty incredible. It is a great rotation. I mean, obviously, I think regardless of who you're forgetting on that one, it's um, you know, Manoa and Pearson, obviously we need to see some real stuff from Pearson. I think, uh, Manoa is certainly showing, obviously his first start was huge. It was awesome. Um, and that's exciting. Uh, again, hasn't faced major leaguers other than spring training. So we'll see how that plays out, but I think he's not long before he's in the rotation. Um, and I think that Pearson could be as well. Again, I lost a little trust in Pearson. I know you don't like that. I lost a little trust in Pearson last year, but I just didn't see, um, what I thought we were going to see from him. It'll be interesting to see this year if he's able to make the adjustments. I've heard he's making some major adjustments to his delivery and rotation um, and, and um, sorry, delivery in general, but, uh, but he is, he's a key to this. He's going to have to be a key to this. And, and if the Jays want to succeed in the future uh, without having to add too much pitching from outside, Pearson's going to have to be one of them. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that I, even though I'm disappointed, I'm upset that you, that you did lose trust in Pearson. I can't say that I didn't lose trust in Pearson either because he struggled in the big leagues last year until he got to the playoffs where he pitched, I think, two scoreless, struck out like four batters against the Rays. He looked shaky at the big league level. And that's not what we, what we expected to see from Pearson. His first start was very good. He pitched five innings, scoreless, uh, got a bunch of strikeouts, but he, his command wasn't quite there. And it sounds like he's been able to hone that command a little bit better this season. He's made the adjustments like you've mentioned. Um, but you know what? I, I think that we expected to see more from Nate Pearson and hopefully he can reach that this season. So I'll go with this question first and then we'll address Manoa. How many AAA starts before Nate Pearson gets called up to the big leagues? Uh, well, I think only a few, you know, especially if he performs okay and doesn't get hurt again. Um, but it begs the question with Pearson, you know, is he the type of Aaron Sanchez type situation where maybe he belongs somewhere in the bullpen? Um, you know, Aaron Sanchez thrived. He never liked it. He certainly always wanted to be in the starting rotation um, and ended up back there. But he absolutely thrived in the bullpen with the same with similar type of, of sort of repertoire in his tool belt. I would even is say that that Pearson's is better. Than what well, Pearson's may be better, but if he if he's not going to be able to perform from a starting level at the big league level, is there a, a significant spot for him in the pen? Yeah, it's a it's a good question. I mean, he pitched out of the bullpen in the Tampa series in the playoffs last year, and he looked very good. And I think that it's something the Jays will explore if he, if Pearson doesn't perform this season. They have a vacancy in the rotation right now. I like Anthony Kay, but I'm not ready to put him as a lock in that rotation spot that is that is empty and Ross Stripling can easily be moved to the bullpen so I'd like to see Pearson and Manoa come up I think you're right about only a few starts for Nate Pearson and AAA before he comes up I think maybe one more and then he comes up to the big leagues uh, because the Jays do need somebody to fill that that rotation spot right now and uh, if Pearson can be that guy awesome because uh, we know he's got the stuff he's got the electric fastball he's got the off speed 
but he's, he's, he's struggled at the big league level. And if he can command those pitches a little bit better, that would be good to see. He only pitched three and two thirds in his triple uh, a debut, but uh, he struck out an incredible amount of batters. I think he struck out eight batters or something like that. Something crazy like that uh, in that first outing. So that was awesome to see. Um, hopefully Pearson can be a guy in the big leagues for the Jays this year. But another guy, another prospect that we were hoping to see with the Major League squad is Alec Manoa. Manoa's debut yesterday was fantastic yesterday at the time of this recording. Uh, six innings, 12 strikeouts, no walks, a couple hit batters. Uh, I believe two hits as well. No runs allowed. Before or after July 15th, we will see Alec Manoa in the Blue Jays rotation. I think it depends on health, but if obviously if there's some injuries, I think you'll see them before that. I think after, I, I don't think you'll see them anytime before that if it's not an injury situation. Um, but, and with good reason, he needs some tuning. He, you know, he's just jumping up to AAA now. Um, he's going to need to be seen there. He's going to need to face some major league caliber talent that, you know, obviously with other teams having injuries and things, it's going to be rehab assignments. He is going to see some major leaguers at the AAA level. And I think that's why you won't see him before July 15th. But I think, uh, you know, you will see him this season for sure. Yeah, I agree with that. I think that, uh, you know what, I think he'll be in the rotation after the trade deadline, at least. I think that's when we're going to see Alec Manoa in the rotation because, the reality is, as good as the Blue Jays pitching has been, it probably can't last this way. Hyunjin Ryu is going to be very good. The numbers are already saying that uh, Robbie Ray is going to regress a little bit. Steven Matz, we've seen some regression. Ross Stripling has been inconsistent and I think is better suited for a bullpen role. Then there's that empty spot that Anthony Kay is currently filling. I think Kay should be in AAA working on his stuff right now. So I think that Alec Manoa will find his way into the rotation. The question is how soon? If the Jays are really, 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 really struggling this season early on before July 15th and they need somebody to fill that rotation spot then i could see alec manoa getting called up to the big leagues i don't think it's that much of a stretch if if k and stripling aren't performing and they need a pitcher to bring up i think manoa can be that guy i think nate pearson gets called up in a few starts just so he can build up his workload again in triple a and then be ready to go seven innings hopefully in the big leagues uh, but we'll see about pearson i think manoa if there is poor performance could be up but i think injuries is more likely the reason that we will see him before July 15th. Otherwise, I think right around the trade deadline is a good timetable for Alec Manoa. Like you mentioned, I mean, he needs reps down there. He's he's only thrown 17 professional innings, but he pitched at a very high collegiate level and uh, was very good there as well. So he had a bunch of innings. Uh, he has more innings in the past two seasons than Nate Pearson does, I believe I read somewhere. Not all of it in the pros. And uh, Manoa is skipping from short season single A, which isn't even a thing anymore, to triple A. So he's going to need some work. And I think that hopefully by the trade deadline, by July 15th, maybe we'll see Alec Manoa. Maybe after the All-Star break, we'll see Alec Manoa in the big leagues. Moving on now, your two best players from the week and the worst, of course, in our two best and the worst segment that we do every week. Who is your best hitter for the Blue Jays this week? Best hitter, Danny Jansen. I'm going to give it to him. I'm going to give it to him. Wow. <laughs> Look at your face. <laughs> you know what? Not the best hitter, but I want to give him some credit. You know, it's it's got it's been a hard season for him offensively. And to see him, you know, get his first RBI this week, to get a home run this week, you know, hopefully, and 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 I, I want to stress hopefully, um, you know, you start to see 
maybe a 200 average, 250 at best. Um, we get to the Mendoza likely. line. We'll see. <laughs> yeah, let's get him to the first. Mendoza line first. But I want to give him some credit, and I'm going to go with him, even though he's probably not the most deserving hitter. Um, if you want my worst. Um, no, not yet. You know, not yet. Uh, not yet. Hold on. Okay. Wait for go it. Go ahead. <laughs> my best hitter for this week, um, it, it's a tough one. I'll go with Randall Gritchick. He had the walk-off hit on Saturday. He's stayed hot consistently throughout the season, was a huge performer in Oakland. Teoscar Hernandez also would have been a good pick uh, for best hitter of the week. Vladdy had a bit of a, a tough week in, or I guess a tough game in the, in the finale against the A's. Um, but I think that Randall Gritchick is my best hitter of the week for the Blue Jays. Who is your best pitcher before we get on to the worst? Uh, best pitcher. Um, I'm going to have to probably give it to Ray. Um, you know, I think he did really, really well. I, it was really wonderful to watch the control, um, especially knowing the backstory. I hope it stays, but he looked great. Um, so that's my pick this week. Yeah, I agree with that. I think Robbie Ray is, is the best pitcher for the Blue Jays of the past week. He had two quality outings, like one against the Braves, one against the A's since our last podcast. And I think that uh, he's he's got that added control and he's got he's always had the stuff. That's the thing with Robbie Ray. He's got the plus fastball. He's got great off-speed stuff. It's just been a matter of, of commanding those pitches. And he's been able to do that with the Blue Jays so far this season. And that's been a reason for his success. Now for the worst, it can be a hitter, it can be a pitcher, the worst overall player over the past week for the Blue Jays? Probably Anthony Kay. Uh, his start was horrendous, um, but uh, it, his starts typically are now at this point. Uh, I don't expect him to be in the rotation very long, and uh, but at the same time, you know, maybe he, he certainly showed some flashes of, of being a good pitcher at some point last year, um, or was it the year before? I can't, short season screws me up, but um, but he's had he's had some success, but I just don't see it happening for him this year. Uh, he's my worst for this week. Yeah, I mean, Kay had a really bad start uh, against the A's, and he's he's shown he's got the stuff in the big leagues. He he can be a guy in the rotation, hopefully down the road. But I agree with you. It's 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 he struggled this year. He needs some time in AAA to uh, continue working on some things and, and get stretched out. I'm not going to go with Kay as my worst. I think I'm going to go with Steven Matz, and I believe I may have picked Steven Matz not long ago uh, for the worst of the week. Um, but I, or maybe it was Ryu that I picked. Steven Matz started off really well and showed some huge, huge regression in his last start. Last starts, plural, I should say, because he struggled against the Nationals as well. I was disappointed in what we saw from Steven Matz. That was New York Mets Steven Matz, a guy who is trying to be too perfect, a guy who gets angry and very mad when he struggles and, and tries to, to overdo it a little bit. Now, that's not the Steven Matz that we saw in the first three, four starts with the Blue Jays. So I'm, I'm disappointed Ooh. in Steven Matz's performance, and I hope he can turn things around. A guy that is also hoping to turn things around is Albert Pujols, the future Hall of Famer who signed a massive contract with the LA Angels in 2011, has been DFA'd and released because it's very unlikely anybody picks him up on waivers before the angels officially release him. He's got a mammoth contract and I don't think anybody's going to want to take that on, but it, there's a, there's potential that he gets signed elsewhere. Um, Pujols was hitting a buck 89 was not a productive hitter this year. Hasn't been for a couple of years. Uh, his career batting average though is 298. He's, he's got 600 plus home runs. Um, you got to watch Albert Pujols in his prime. 
And I'm going to say this before we get into the Pujols discussion, whether it was right or wrong that they, they DFA'd him yesterday. I didn't get to see prime Albert Pujols. I remember Albert Pujols in the 2011 World Series for St. Louis. That is the best Albert Pujols I remember. And I didn't get to see, I don't remember seeing him at all before that. I mean, I wasn't even born for when Albert Pujols started his career. I didn't get to see prime Albert Pujols. So before you judge what I, what I say in this conversation, because I'm sure that some people won't like what I have to say, just know that I didn't get to see prime Albert Pujols. You did though. What were your thoughts on this move? Uh, well, I mean, the thing is, he's, he's royalty in the game. Um, he deserves, I think, more respect. Uh, should have been given the opportunity to retire. I think the Angels maybe should have suggested that this would be the opportunity. I know his agent and he are pushing to be starting first baseman. And this is, again, you know, echoes of the Trulowitzki situation where an older player believes there's still something when they're not. I mean, the reality is, yes, he is royalty. He's game royalty. And you're right. I did see him in his prime, especially with the Cardinals. Um, but this is a risk of these long-term albatross contracts. You know, this was never going to, he was never going to perform out that contract. And so, you know, as, as much as I believe he deserved more respect than a DFA and eventual release, um, you know, I also think that there's an attitude there on his part that's preventing any other decision to be made. You know, uh, in reading about it last night, we, you and I talked about it last night, and I was a little more fired up than I am now. And part of the reason is just reading about the scenario, you know, and you telling me also about the agent. Um, and, up with, and that clearly comes from Albert himself as well. You know, there comes a time when you have to realize you're not that guy anymore. And he's not that guy anymore, you know. Um, I would like to think that the angels gave him the opportunity to say, Hey, do you want to just hang them up? And, you know, we'll all walk away happy and honor you. And I assume he probably said no to that. Um, and this is where we're at. So um, I think, you know, if it wasn't a situation of that and they just cut ties, I think that's unfair, but I don't think we'll know that at least not for a while. Um, and so, you know, it's the right move for the angels as a team. No question about that. Um, but again, you know, baseball royalty there, you, you would hope that a DFA is not the way you go out. But uh, that's where it's at for me. Uh, Albert Pujols is, is baseball royalty, like you mentioned. He's a, he's a class act. He's a guy who has been around for a very long time, who is well-respected by everybody. You hear all the Albert Pujols stories. Um, you, you hear about the time that he went up to Devin Travis, who was struggling in 2017 with the Blue Jays, and he, he calmed him down. Travis had a big game, and Pujols said, see, I told you. When, when Vladdy introduced Santiago Espinal to Albert Pujols in Dunedin this year, and, and Espinal was, was so happy and so excited to meet his idol, that was really awesome to see. When Albert Pujols gave his jersey to that fan in Toronto, uh, after the game, so many, so many great memories for the Blue Jays fan base with Albert Pujols, but really around the game, he's such a well-respected individual. I do believe, and I want to believe that the angels gave him the opportunity to retire. He decided not to, from what I'm hearing, like from the agent, I think Albert Pujols still sees himself as an everyday first baseman um, in the big leagues, at least for one more season. He mentioned in 2017 that you don't, he said exactly this. You don't retire from the game. The game retires you. And I, I, I guess he feels that he hasn't been retired by the game of baseball yet, but the angels have a, a good young first baseman and Jared Walsh who needs at bats. He can hit lefties. He can hit righties. He's good. Pujols was really becoming a lefty 
specialist. He was, he was platooning against the left-handed pitchers for the angels. And I mean, the playing time for Walsh that he deserved wasn't there. The angels are showing this season. They want to go for it. They've got Otani who is healthy right now. They've got a decent starting rotation. It's not very good, but it's, it's okay. And they want to use that. They want to make the playoffs because they have the best player possibly to ever live on the team in Mike Trout. And they have only made the playoffs once in his career. And I know that they want to make it again this year. This is a move to better the Angels team. But I agree. I mean, Albert Pujols, he's a Hall of Famer. And if the Angels simply said, okay, we're done with you. We're DFAing you. That is really bad. Yeah, I agree. And, and I would like to, on same as you just said, I would like to believe they didn't do that. But I also think that, um, you know, it is kind of that too low situation of a bit of a stubbornness, not knowing when the game has retired you, which was a great way to put it. Um, and, you know, I don't think we'll see much more from Pujols, which is unfortunate. Uh, you know, it's maybe that time where he goes onto a coaching staff or even becomes a manager somewhere. Um, it's, it's probably time for him to, uh, to exit the game. Yeah, I think so. And uh, you know what, Albert, he's, he's had a great career. I've, I've just seen the numbers. I mean, like I said, for, for as long as I've been very passionate about baseball, and I've been passionate for, for basically all my life, but for as long as I can remember watching the game, Pujols has been a, a, an average hitter. He has not been a, a fantastic hitter. He's had some decent seasons with the Angels, but nothing at the levels where he was uh, with St. Louis, he was the guy in St. Louis. And, and there's, there's so many teams right now that are being thrown around as possible landing spots for pools, the Cardinals, maybe a reunion there, the Yankees. Somebody mentioned to me, I don't see that happening with Luke Voigt coming back shortly. Uh, maybe some of the teams that, that aren't expected to win this year, the Orioles, the, the pirates, uh, teams like those who who could maybe use Pujols, although the Orioles have Ryan Mountcastle and Trey Mancini over at first base, so I don't know if the Orioles are gonna are gonna want him. Do you see Pujols landing anywhere, or do you think this is the end of the road for his baseball career? If he does land somewhere, it'll be somebody like the Tigers. Um, Tigers can't think... do that; they've got Miggy too. Oh, that's true. Yeah, that's a good point. If he that's wants to be a starting remember. first baseman, the only place he's going to be able to do that is on a rebuilding team. And the Orioles have Ryan Mountcastle, Trey Mancini, who can play first base. The Tigers have Miguel Cabrera, who's playing first base. I mean, I, I don't know if there's a spot for him. And I, and I want there to be a spot for him for one more year so he can, he can go out ceremoniously. But Well, and speaking of ceremoniously, perhaps that spot is St. Louis. Even if he doesn't get the starts, you know, maybe he goes for one final lap with them so he can retire as a Cardinal. Uh, he'd be on the bench, but, you know, uh, he'll have to see, I guess, the interest in him. But, uh, you know, I wouldn't be surprised to see the Cardinals take a flyer on him at some point. Uh, but again, the playing time is just probably not going to be there, as you've said. Yeah, I think the reality for, for Albert Pujols is if – a team that is winning, a team that wants to win is not going to take on current Albert Pujols. A team that is trying very hard to win baseball games this season is not going to pick up Albert Pujols and say, I want him to play for my team. He can benefit the team because the reality is at his age, he, he can't. And it's sad to say because he's had a great career, but right now Albert Pujols is not where he used to be and not a very great player for a team 
that wants to win. And I think that it's going to be a rebuilding team that he signs with. If he does sign at all, maybe the Cardinals on maybe a one day contract. If the Cardinals want to win, I don't see a spot for pools on the team. They might just do it because he's, he was a Cardinal and then he might go out like that. But uh, I think it's tough to, 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 to foresee Pujols signing with a big league team this season. Uh, in more positive news, more exciting news, John Means threw a no-hitter yesterday for the Baltimore Orioles. Uh, sorry, Wednesday for the Baltimore Orioles. Uh, Means looked really good in that outing. Of course, he threw the no-hitter. Um, third no-hitter this season, joining Carlos Rodon and Joe Musgrove, who have both thrown no-hitters for the White Sox and the Padres, respectively. The only base runner, in John Means, no hitter was a dropped third strike where the batter reached. That has to That's be one that of the worst. <laughs> that has to be one of the worst ways to lose a no hitter. What are your thoughts on the drop third strike rule? Is it time to move on from it? Well, the good news is he didn't lose the no hitter, but he lost the perfect game. And uh, you know what? I mean, it's fine. It happens. It, you know, I'm sure. Um, you know. You'd, you'd love to have the perfecto, obviously. I mean, who wouldn't? But um, those are the types of things that are going to happen. But man, does he have the means to pitch? <laughs> I was waiting for the first one. I figured there's going to be more puns with John Means' name. It's such a punnable name. I think I posted about it and I said John Means business. I mean, it's 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 such a great name to to use in a pun. I think the drop third strike rule. I I I don't hate it as much as some people do. I think that you know what to record an out, the ball has to be caught the reality of the, the situation right yeah it's the baseball ball has to be caught that's how baseball works exactly and some people are saying oh it was made up in the 1800s well you can say that about basically every rule in baseball like this game originated in the 1800s i mean there are going to be some rules that were created in the 1800s the game itself was created in the 1800s and to record it out like i said you've got to make the catch and when the catcher doesn't do that the batter should have the should have the ability to run to first. And maybe I, I, I'm, I'm a little biased to that because I, I, I'm a far better hitter than I am a pitcher. Um, but I think that, uh, that uh, the batter should have every right to run to first base if that ball is not caught. And while it does suck that he lost the perfect game, not the no-hitter, thank you for correcting me on that. Um, in that fashion, I mean, and it, it's even worse because he got thrown out on the very next pitch trying to steal second base. So that's frustrating because he did face the minimum but it's not a perfect game because the catcher didn't catch the ball. That is a requirement to record an out. And so the drop third strike rule, I think is it's fine. It's here to stay. And uh, you know what? I think that uh, it sucks, but it, it's how it has oh, to be. Wait, wait though. So, so he got on base. Yes. On the right? drop third strike. Had, had the catcher dropped the third strike and thrown him out. Is that still perfective? Yes. Well, sorry. So one second. So you're saying like, if, the catcher drops the ball and throws him out at first base. Yeah. That's still a, that's still a still. perfect game because it's still a strikeout being recorded. Okay. Right. He doesn't get on because yeah, a perfect I game. Nobody can sense. get on yeah. base. This guy, he got yeah. on base. I don't, I don't know who it was, but uh, he got on base and then reached first. The very next pitch tried to steal second, got thrown out. So means face the minimum in that outing. Yeah. He was dominant. He looked good, but it wasn't a perfect game because he got that runner on. Um, with minor league baseball seasons back underway, we're going to bring back prospect watch, which is something we did in 2019, uh, giving you a look at all the blue Jays prospects that are performing right now in the minor leagues. And this week, the two that we're going to highlight are Nate Pearson and Alec Manoa Pearson. As I look at my notes here, went three and two thirds allowed one earned run four hits, one walk, eight strikeouts in that game for Nate Pearson. Um, 
nearly all of his outs came with the strikeout, which is crazy. And Pearson looked dominant besides the, the, the walk and the, and the earned run. And then Alec Manoa is the other uh, player to watch. Both the guys are in AAA. We try to do it where it's a, a variety of levels, but I mean, when you have pitching performances like those, we already talked about uh, how good those guys look and when they could be in the rotation. Manoa pitched six innings, no runs, two hits, no walks, 12 strikeouts, two hit batters or three or something. That was a little concerning, but uh, besides that, Manoa looked awesome for the Buffalo Bisons. Um, and in the NL East so far this season, it was, we're just going through storylines throughout the big leagues and throughout baseball. The teams are around 500, but all the teams in that division are struggling. Uh, it seems right now. Do you think with the Mets, Phillies, Braves, Nationals, and Marlins in that division, do you think they're all bad or are they just beating up on each other so far? Um, it's a little of both probably. Uh, it'll be interesting to see how they do against like the central and the West. Um, you know, I know some of them have played the central and the West already, but, uh, uh, yeah, I, I think there's a combo of them just beating up on each other for sure, but also that they're, they're not where they need to be any of them. And I don't think anybody in that division is a world series contender. It's a bold statement. I think the Braves can be when they have pitching, but they haven't had that pitching so far uh, this season. I know the Mets want to be um, with the offense and the Lindor signing and Jacob deGrom in the rotation. The Mets have had a very NL East heavy schedule this season. And so have a lot of the teams in that division. They've played their own division a lot. And I think that's part of the reason that they're losing because there are four pretty good teams in that division. It's not the NL central where it's a lot of bad teams there. I, uh, I think that the NL East is good. I think they're just beating up on each other. Um, and I think that we will see some of those teams turn the corner while others will stay in this 500, maybe losing record spot. This concludes episode 68 of 211's Baseball Talk. We thank you all very much for watching or listening, and we'll talk to you all next week.